0: I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey, I've got a favor to ask of you, and it it goes like this. You know, there's probably some people that you know who don't listen to teaching, learning, leading (gasps) K-12. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you could turn them into a subscriber if you just reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, you should listen to teaching, learning, leading K-12 and you should become a subscriber. What do you think? Do you know somebody, you know, you got that family member, you've got that colleague, you've got that uh, next door neighbor. Hmm? I'm sure there's somebody that you could reach out to and say, have you listened to teaching, learning, leading K-12 and better yet subscribe to it? Well, you should, and here's how you find it. That'd be awesome if you would share it with somebody today. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Jeremy Glauser. He's the founder and CEO of eLuma, the nation's leading teletherapy solutions provider for K-12 schools and districts. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. (music) You are listening to teaching learning leading k-12 a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams and now here's steve with this week's show jeremy glauser is the founder and ceo of iluma With a background in education an entrepreneurial spirit and a passion for helping people in need, he founded Iluma to help solve the growing shortage problems of special education. In doing so, the company has become the nation's leading teletherapy solution provider for K-12 solutions and districts. To date, the company has provided nearly 1 million hours of therapy, speech, school psych, OT, PT, and mental health counseling services to over 16,000 students throughout the United States. He is experienced with high impact, accessible education using universal, Universal Design for Learning, UDL, in fully online environments. On their website, on ELUMA's website, you can find a lot of different information. And one of the things that I want to start with is this. We believe blending online and on-site therapy can tremendously increase the quality of therapy in your special education program, even to the tune of increasing productivity by 10 to 15 percent, connecting your students with specialized and credentialed therapists, and staffing with great precision. The districts we work with have realized thousands of dollars in savings, and we believe most districts have the same potential. We don't partner with districts who we don't know for a fact, will benefit from online therapy services and our blended solutions. eLuma was founded as VST, Virtual Solutions for Therapy, by a group of therapists and software engineers in September 2011. Jeremy, I'm so glad to have you here. Say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I'm glad you're here. And the first thing I got I to make sure that we talk about is simply this. We're talking about therapy delivered through an online solution. So before we get too much into it, I want you to explain a little bit about what Iluma is and what services you provide and such. And then we're going to talk
0: about how it, you know, where it came from and all that. It's incredible, isn't it? To think that therapy could be done online through video conferencing even a decade ago was almost unfathomable. And it's become a lot more ubiquitous now with um, COVID and, and the pandemic happening. But we do speech, language, occupational therapy, mental health counseling, school psychology, and there are a lot of assessments that we can do online as well. And we've worked with various publishers around the country to make that possible through a remote delivery. Excellent. So you know what you know.
1: One of the things that, uh, you know, like I said, it's this is where it really sparks my curiosity. As as, yeah. as I uh, you guys. Uh as we were talking and I uh, was talking with uh, um other staff members from from uh from eluma the uh, one of the things that uh, um I discovered was that it, it's it's pretty cool because at first I have a lot of a lot a lot of questions which it's <laughs> yeah most of which, us do which how this could happen but before we get to those questions, you know where did the inspiration for eluma come from i mean It started as Virtual Solutions for Therapy in 2011. Can you talk us through its development from an idea to an actual viable company?
0: That's actually a really interesting question. And as much as I want to give a simple answer, that's really (laughs) tough, Steve. I think it goes back to how I was raised. My mom was an educator in the classroom, and she taught kids who were underserved or underprivileged. And that instilled in me, I think, a desire to do something more than just create a widget or or serve other shareholders, but to really build something that would be mission-driven. And back in 2011, I was working with a speech scientist, Dr. Fletcher, Sam Fletcher, on a device called the palatometer. It's a really interesting device. And the way that it works is you wear an Invisalign-type mouthpiece that is equipped with electrodes. And as you're speaking, your tongue to palate, excuse me, your tongue to palate contact shows up on the computer screen. And for anyone who understands or knows about speech and language issues, most of it originates from auditory issues or uh, auditory suppression, uh, whatever that might mean for the the person. And being able to show people visually what their tongue to palate contact is doing was really helping remediate these problems a lot faster. And as I was working on that project, I realized um, through the data that the number of speech and language pathologists was not keeping up with the demand. And it was quite shocking. This was about a decade ago and, and you could see the signs of uh, an epidemic on the horizon. And I thought, gosh, there's gotta be a better way to help these kids and these, these adolescents and even these adults figure out how to articulate themselves confidently and, and really be themselves when they're talking with other other folks. And that's when I came across the, some papers uh, from ASHA, the American Speech and Language Hearing Association, about this, this concept of telehealth and teletherapy that had been under research at the university level for a few decades. And it was pretty rudimentary, but it was starting to become much more uh, sophisticated with with technology advancing as quickly as it was and it was at that time where I thought I want to bring these these providers and and reallocate, so to speak, if I can, the specialization that so many kids and adolescents need in schools. Yeah, so I I think there's a lot lot more to it but, you know, there's a lot of people who have influenced me uh, throughout my life and during that phase but if you want to pinpoint it was it was when i came across those papers by asha in trying to solve some problems that these kids and adolescents were having finding and remediating uh, finding the right help and remediating those sounds very cool so so i got to ask
1: you have you, have you kind of always kind of had it built into you to be a risk taker cuz that, cuz that's a lot of
0: risk right there to say <laughs> you know i'm going to take this idea and go with it i i think so i i've always been that way i when i was Eight years old, I started a lawn mowing business in my neighborhood and I would go knock doors and and uh, ask them if I could mow their lawn for five bucks and I did that until I was about fourteen and i think I think I really started to put shape to those thoughts and those desires uh, that i didn't know was this entrepreneurial spirit and and I shape started to gather around that when I was 14 and working for a guy named Jay rents. And, and down in California where I grew up there, there were lots of opportunities to go out with him and to learn the ropes. And I realized that there were a lot of opportunities for me to use my creative restlessness, I guess you could say and this, this unrelenting, uh, persistence and apply it in a more of an entrepreneurial way. So I don't know that I'm a huge risk taker, Steve, but I definitely like calculated risks.
1: Nice. I mean, it's, this is, I mean, this is definitely a calculated one because this, you know, I, it, yeah. you know, something I'll get into in a little bit or some of the uh, questions I would think that people have that you'd run into right off the bat that would oh yeah uh, cause you some issues. So, you, uh, you know, so, let's kind of lead myself there. Cause one of the, you know, so talk a little bit about how it works. I mean, how does, you know, typically therapy and special education is provided in a one-to-one situation, most times face-to-face, Correct. you know, in the, in the same room, in the same setting and, and yours is done a little differently. And can you talk a little bit about the type of technology that's required? I mean,
0: yeah, I think at first we were really trying to pave a path to, to connecting therapists and students through video conferencing and we've learned a lot over the years. I, I have to sit here and say that we're better today than we were even six months ago and, and it's going to be better in six months than it is today because technology is getting better and, and really all you need is a good computer that works <laughs> and you need a high-speed internet connection Years ago, we would even recommend or require that it be an ethernet connection so that the signal with the internet wouldn't get dropped so easily. Wi-Fi used to be a lot less dependable. It's getting better and better over the years. And so as long as you have an ethernet connection, and in some cases a strong wireless connection, you need a webcam. And for kids who can tolerate it, they wear a headset. But even like you and I are, are here today, I'm using my speaker audio, my, my computer speakers for audio, and I'm using a desktop microphone. So I don't have to wear anything on my head. Um, and, and then, of course, the software is something we've built. Uh, We've've we've got to build tools and interactive content that the therapist and the student can interact on so that the they stay engaged and they progress much like, a lesson plan, if the teacher and or therapist and student were were sitting next to each other, you might have PDFs or interactive digital games. Uh, we can share iPhone and iPad apps and interact on those kinds of activities. And so the the critical component here, though, is is the live face to face interaction. It's not asynchronous. The therapist and the student are interacting in live real time. <laughs> So we're not just putting kids in front of some program and hoping that they they do well, you right? I am not going to risk on that one. I'll take risks of my own life, Steve, but not on that one. Gotcha. And so yeah, it's it's really a therapist who's trained and credentialed who's guiding it live synchronous with the interactive video and and content tools we we're creating.
1: Very cool. The, uh, the and that's the the concept in itself is is awesome cuz you could see uh, where this, this is a dream and an idea could, you know, that th- we could interact this way that this would help. And cause uh, you know, I want to get into something in a minute that's just kind of dawned on me as I'm talking to you. But before I do that, you have to have run into like skeptics and pessimists and uh, whatever is you want to throw into that. <laughs> and uh, it, can, can we talk a little bit about some of those common questions that you might get in the beginning that, uh, you know, just kinda, oh, yeah. that kind of popped to, to mind?
0: Well, I was the first skeptic Ah. because when, when you think about delivering therapy online, most people immediately assume it's not as effective, right? Because you have to be in person. You have to have that tactile feedback with the student. So I think that's one main concern that comes from the therapist, the more clinical side the other concern that, that we get a lot is, uh, other than efficacy, is cost, right? People wonder, well, how much is this going to cost? And um, one of the hurdles that many school administrators have is the need to, to facilitate. There's got to be an adult in the physical vicinity of the student because if intervention was required, the online therapist can't physically come out of the computer and intervene. And so you've got to have a, a human who is there working on uh, on other things or with other students. And I think that concept is new for a lot of administrators. And so we try our best to to model that out with some simple modeling. But uh, the uh, I think most people assume that the facilitator just increases the cost. And... As a matter of fact, that's not the case. And I, we might get into that a little bit more, um, but in most cases, there's increased productivity on the therapy side and balances out the equation with the cost of a facilitator. That's,
1: it, it's interesting because it's like, you know, there are lots of things that come to mind. And the first one is that I can imagine you get this question a lot, which is, you know, how could it be as effective as sitting in a room with, yeah. the, with the kid? And uh, or the adult, whatever the therapy is in this case, we're talking about school settings, but uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, um, you know, I'm I would imagine that in looking for the therapist and such that you have to find people who can connect through the yes, through the computer and such. Is that uh, do you, this is gonna sound dumb, but do you do you have like a do you like a test to see if do you pass the personality test? Do you have the uh, you know.
0: <laughs> You know, I would say, just like everything on our technology is getting better, that whole process is getting better. We're talking about a huge number of tremendously intelligent, smart, talented therapists who now are, are ad- adapting and I would say even adopting the modality of teletherapy. And with that, there's a learning curve. So what we do is we take them through a pretty rigorous hiring and vetting process initially. And what's interesting is our our situation from a recruiting standpoint is the exact opposite of a a school district. A school district might have a handful of candidates, if any, whereas we have thousands. Uh, Last time I checked, we had over 10,000 applicants who've uh, literally applied to Iluma and said, we are, I am interested in doing teletherapy with Iluma. And so after they are hired, there's an orientation and there's a training that's pretty rigorous. It's getting them set up. It's it's teaching them how to use our software. It's it's really um, orienting the, orienting them and training them to be effective online. But but one misconception and maybe a common concern that we get a lot is that that you have to relearn your pedagogy. All over again. And as a matter of fact, that's, that's not completely true. Uh, if you're a speech and language therapist or an occupational therapist, you've gone to school, you've learned how to provide that therapy. And it's not so much learning, relearning how to be a therapist, it's learning how to apply the online digital tools to deliver therapy. And so that's really the learning curve. It's not how to be a therapist, but how to be the great therapist you are, in a now digital online instruction setting. So there, there is a a learning curve there and we, we do a lot and invest a lot of time in, in that process. But, but uh, yeah, there's, I, I think as a society, we're going through a shift and we're see, we're seeing how online instruction can and can't work for people.
1: Very cool. This is uh, just as a side note, and I, I don't mean any of, no, no no offense intended but
0: <laughs> that's I'll, okay none I'll, taken I'll, but i'll see what you're going to say
1: all i keep thinking about is an episode of the jetsons where if you ever saw that cartoon <laughs> oh yeah um, elroy is supposed to be doing his work and the he gets up and he's going to the kitchen or doing something like that and the computer actually the, the teacher's telling him on you know cuz she's on the other side of the computer screen and she keeps telling the, Elroy to have a seat Elroy, and eventually a arm, a robot arm comes out, and grabs him and puts him in his seat. <laughs> and hey Steve, that's a great idea. We should implement it. We're going to work on that one. And so you, you do see the level of television watching that I do. Okay. Also, by the way, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so I got to make sure I say this because this is, this is what really is kind of neat about the whole thing about it being an online, uh, world and uh and doing the therapy is that you guys are located in utah right yeah we are
0: i'm sitting in salt lake city right now
1: (laughs) awesome and so you're in salt lake city and uh that's not like just right around the corner from atlanta georgia (laughs) it's not not quite (laughs) no or, or wherever anybody else is and the uh so i I got a kind of, I got a couple, I got a whole bunch of questions because one of the things that this lends itself to is the idea of distance and dealing with it, and especially in the state itself. I've, I've only been in like one little corner of Utah, (laughs) and it was only so I could. My parents wanted to be able to say that we we went in Utah and came back out because we were actually going someplace else. (laughs) But from what I know about it, there are long distances between some of the communities um, in in the ruralness, and where I work in South Georgia. there are, there's large distances between the communities. Like it's the closest one um, to me is the one I'm located in. But then after that, I got a couple of them that are um, 30 miles, 40 miles. And then one that's like 55 miles away, one way. And they, uh, and, and so something like this, what's cool is that it, it lends itself that idea of the distance between communities and such where in our areas, we, you know, we have a lot of people that they, these therapists, they drive between, these communities to see the students and yes. and uh so where do your where do your therapists come from i mean do they come from all over do they just come from utah and you just got and you know, have like a hotbed of
0: of uh, therap- therapy going on there or, and uh that would talk- be nice <laughs> utah does have three really good universities with speech and language pathology programs but uh you know there are lots of great um OT programs and mental health programs, school psychology programs in in many areas of the country. And what's interesting is you'll find places like Missouri, for example, or Utah, or even areas of Pennsylvania and the Northeast where there's a high concentration of programs or there's a high concentration of therapists for any number of reasons. They want to stay where they are from and remain where they're from. They want to stay in a big city. And so there are places in this country that are not experiencing a shortage of therapists, but the shortage of therapists transcends rural communities now. Originally, 10 years ago, it was really hitting the rural communities hard, and that was the low-hanging fruit who we were gonna go and help, and we have helped tremendously. But now we're in 33 different states, and we have served just over 16,000 students, and we're growing really rapidly and part of it is the fact that, that there is this growing shortage. So we find a lot of therapists coming out of Ohio. We find a lot of therapists coming out of California, out of New York, out of the east coast where there's a high concentration of universities. And, and so I would say the therapists come from all over the place. But one thing is for sure, teletherapy is their new frontier. And it, it stands for many reasons, whether it's a lifestyle choice, or they're just, they, they wanna work part-time and this is the best way to do so. There's flexibilities there. You know, and I'm not suggesting that all therapists do this, but, but, but uh, I know of a few therapists who want to travel a little bit and so they, they work while they travel. And so it's, it's a really interesting evolution that we've seen as teletherapy is not only solving problems, but it's opening up new avenues that none of us could have expected. I'm amazed at, at what therapists and schools come up with as we apply this model uh, in, in these in these school areas and in these settings. It's
1: it's so interesting because this is like um, you know, and you, you touched on something just a second ago. That I got to make sure I go back to real quick. So so for the most part, is, is your stat they are they doing this part-time they do this and they do something else or are some of them full-time and I mean, or
0: is it just. That's a great question. I would say a majority of them are not full-time, but yeah, there are lots who are full-time and it's really dependent on their life circumstances and their preferences and and what they're looking for. But uh, yeah, it it lends itself to all kinds, which is pretty incredible. We have a very diverse uh, team of clinicians very cool the, uh, so
1: do you have any any areas of the of the country where you have more therapists than others
0: That's a good question. I have to go back and, and look that up, but i uh, uh, as far as where they live versus where they practice, yes, um, we do find uh, a high number of therapists coming out of the coastal regions, so you know probably more on the east Coast than the west coast but the west coast, we definitely have more there than we do in the Midwest.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. I, I know on your website, it says, I, I th- believe that I, I'm quoting it right, that it says that you're in 33 states? Correct. Yes. Very cool. So uh, so neat stuff. So, you know, I do want to kind of go back to that concept, though, about the, the distance and ruralness, because that's one of the things that's cool about this. And, and by the way, just I, I got to make sure that I say this. No one's paid me to Ask these questions, or to talk to Jeremy. So, uh, this is not a paid info commercial for everyone listening. This is my curiosity, and us talking, and uh, that's led led to this. So, uh,
0: well, I think what brought us together originally is is that we're both fans of, uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> yes, Batman. I think I showed you my 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 Batman wallet. We we just are lovers of the arts, right, Steve? <laughs> very much so, very much so, Jeremy. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And it you know it it is cool
1: because I and uh, so I, I had to make sure I say that before people start wondering if I'm going down this path here that I'm going to throw in a set of Ginsu knives or something. But you know it's <laughs> it's like it you know one of the things that's, that's interesting about about this is helping to solve some of the ruralness issues, which are distance. Um, and not having enough people in those areas to be able to to uh, um, have enough therapists in a in a region, I guess is where I'm going with that. I know that it's something that we have to deal with from time to time. Does this uh, do you run into though communities worried about that
0: you're going to put
1: people uh, out of work?
0: Yeah, I I think that you know if we go back to some of the concerns that people might have, that's one of them. Uh, But that's not our intention at all and and even even if it were our intention That would be nearly impossible for us to do because there's such a large need that is just unfilled That it takes all of us as a matter of fact we really believe in an integrated model where the online therapists and clinicians work in tandem and closely with the the district staff because both together produce a better outcome. And and the sum of both parts is definitely greater than than the individual. And, and so for us, it's really about integration, partnership, and elevating. The sad truth is most therapists around this country are dealing with caseloads and paperwork uh, workloads that are just extraordinarily high. And how can we expect our therapists to do good things for these kids and help them gain life skills, progress, meet their goals, and exit therapy if we're not empowering them to do so. So I, I really see this as empowering the on-site district staff if we model it right. And uh, I mean, some, someday, I think we'll all look back in hindsight and realize, oh, wow, we should have come together a little bit sooner.
1: <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. We'll see. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, so, let's talk a little bit about how a session works, and and kind of the role that the school plays. Because there's a there's a whole bunch of things that go on here. Kind of a, I'm guessing that you partner with either a, a regional educational service agency or or some organization that supports the net the the school network, or you work directly with a school system at the district level, and somehow that ends up at the the local school setting. And so. What role does the local school setting play?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. In in Georgia, we've got RISA's that really are a tremendous benefit to those those local school districts and and the individual school buildings. In other states, they, I mean, SELPA's in California, co-ops in other states, or those are not as prominent. And it's the district who really governs the special education program centrally. And, and partners with those individual school buildings. So I, I guess from start to finish, the special education leadership and other team are building buy-in with the local buildings. And so we've gotta to work to help them understand the benefits and, and how this is synchronous. It's a live interaction with the students. And those building admins will help us identify a location in the building Usually it's a resource room. It might be a special education teaching room. It might be an office up toward the front near the principal's office. Uh, but in any event, they can't be isolated, you know, 100%, The student, I mean, and uh, and there's a computer with the webcam headset, if, if, you know, optionally a headset and ethernet connection. And uh, the online therapist coordinates with the other staff in the building to create a schedule just like a therapist would do if they were on site. They talk to him over the phone. They talk to him by email. They, they put together a draft and and they solicit input and feedback. And then uh, in in lieu of sitting down next to each other at a desk, they're sitting down across from each other on video conferencing and, and talking to each other. So the therapist finalizes that schedule, and each, you know, it's, it's very typical for the building to have a designated facilitator or e-helper, and this is usually an aide or a paraprofessional. Um, it, could, it could be a number of, of different roles, but, but this individual is essentially ensuring that the student makes it between their general ed class and wherever we set up this speech therapy or occupational therapy station. Uh, and... And they just ensure that the student is getting to and from. Usually the, the change uh, and the paradigm shift is a number of weeks at the beginning. And then there gets to be a rhythm and students understand and expect it. Uh, the online therapist might make a call down to the, the classroom and say, send Susan. Um, it's her time to work on the computer. And, and then they go back to their class. So it's, it, it, there is a, a learning curve, there is a process, but what we've found is that it usually takes a matter of weeks for that change and that shift and afterwards uh, it, it runs incredibly smoothly and that facilitator plays an ongoing very minor role but is not by no means expected to sit in every session but working on other things and just facilitating uh, those to happen.
1: And that's what I was curious about was how much is that facilitator expected to do? Because I think that's an interesting, another interesting aspect of
0: it. It is. I mean, really when it boils down to it, it's making sure the student gets to and from their classroom safely and then coordinating with the online therapist. If there are questions or, or if there's any coordination that needs to happen. Now this is just one model. There is, there are two models that don't require uh, a designated facilitator. The second one that doesn't, the first one, I guess, that doesn't require a facilitator is a supervisory model where there's a credentialed therapist supervising an aide who's who's providing direct services. There's no facilitator required in that. And then the other one is more of what we call a tandem model where you have two therapists, one on-site and one online, who divide and conquer within a building. And the on-site therapist might pull three kids and work with two of them. And then the third one is on a computer in the same room working with the online therapist. And that, again, there's, there's coordination there, but the they're tag teaming and they're working in tandem without the extra necessity of a facilitator. Excellent. The, uh, and so i 'm guessing that
1: in there is where some of that money savings is going to come in
0: correct can, yeah can,
1: can you kind of just touch base with that a little bit about where where you see the savings come from that a system might experience or school
0: yeah, I think that 's a really very that 's a very important question, and I think it's I think schools should understand this. I do want to provide a caveat though that That this is not a sweeping claim that every district everywhere will save thousands. It's just something we've seen as as we've worked in close partnership with districts. So um, many reports from professional organizations show that a therapist in a school building will spend anywhere from 60 to 65 or 67% of their time directly in therapy with students. And when they are in therapy with students, oftentimes those groups are fairly large, anywhere from three, four, five students at a time. And when you divide it out, that's really not much direct time for these kiddos. And I want to make that clear that I'm not saying that that, that this is, uh, I'm saying that this is a tough spot that these therapists are in and they're doing the best they can. And the online setting, the way that it, it plays out, we recently finished up a study that shows a majority of our eLuma online therapists are spending 80% of their time directly with students in therapy, as opposed to that 60 to 67 or so. And that's where that 10 to 15% increased productivity comes into play. And so what that results in is it results in the therapist being able to do more with the budgets that the districts have and so therapists are able to accomplish more are able to do more with more students because their time is is spent more directly with those kids in therapy and that's the main uh that's the main genesis of of the savings is is the ability to increase the productivity and and increase the efficiencies in a lot of different areas
1: Gotcha. Very, very cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're getting, we're coming close to uh, closing out here. And one of the things that I wanted to get you to do is just say, to, to kind of go with me on this and just say, uh, you know, why should a school system get in touch with Eluma and
0: put you guys to work? You know, I think having a conversation is always worthwhile. And I think that, that uh, there's always value from building a relationship and having a conversation but the main reason that that i think we should talk is is because there are ways to innovate especially at this time where we're in the midst of a of uncertainty and a pandemic let us at least consult with you and help you create some plans the other thing is we're real great people and i i know you're gonna like talking with us we're gonna be honest we're gonna be transparent and and we're gonna help you out How's that, Steve?
1: That's awesome. That's awesome, Jeremy. And I can attest, they are great people. They're fun to talk to. So uh, <laughs> they're fun to talk to. So uh, good stuff. So I love it. Yeah, so as, as we're uh, coming to a close, you know, if someone wanted to connect further with you
0: and learn more about Eluma, Jeremy, where would you send them? You know, you can go to elumatherapy.com. That's our website. And you can contact us through that form. Um, or you can email me directly. I'm going to give you my email. Send me a message and get in touch. It's Jay Glauser. my last name is spelled G-L-A-U-S-E-R, at elumatherapy.com. That's E-L-U-M-A, therapy.com. Look forward to connecting.
1: Excellent. And I will put the website and your email address in the show notes so that they can find it there uh, easily once... Uh, um, so, if they're driving or doing whatever, they don't have to <laughs> pull <laughs> yeah, over avoid or that. <laughs> avoid that type of situation. And uh, but it'll be there for them to get. So, awesome. Thanks for giving them your uh, email. That's that's great. I appreciate that. So, so I have two questions, Jeremy, and they and they go like this. And uh, the first one is when things get difficult or there are too many issues all coming at once and you kind of want to quit, how do you overcome those feelings and keep going?
0: You know, Steve, this is a. I've been thinking about this a lot because it's inevitable. Life is challenging. Um, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's it's joyful. But uh, you know, I specifically talking about Iluma. It has been a roller coaster. It's, there's been a lot of ups and downs. We have have had our own fair share of of difficult situations, and I would even say some mini crises in. And uh, where we've had our backs up against the wall, we've got to figure it out. We've got to solve problems. And, and it is stressful. I'm not going to discount that. It, it is difficult. It does keep me up at night. It does make me sweat <laughs> to face some of these difficult situations. But I'm sure like many of uh, uh, well, you and many of your listeners, we have our, our mindfulness and coping mechanisms and skills. You know, so for me, I've developed habits over the years where I slow down, I take deep breaths, I go outside and I have these places where I can rejuvenate without those. I don't, I don't know that I would be able to, to say I can get over this, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the amazing people who are in my life from my wife and my kids to my colleagues and friends and family. I mean, we just, we can't do it on our own. And I've turned so many times to those people who I trust and love. And they've, they've talked me up when I can't seem to find positive words in my own head. So, but, you know, other than that, I, I think that, that by nature, I'm an optimistic person. And that served me well to practice positivity and optimism in my, my rituals and my habits.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so many of us, you know, it's, it's something that... Uh, I think sometimes just hearing other people say that, you know, I have those days and this is how I get through it. And those special people in our lives really help us get through. So it's good yeah. stuff. Uh, and the last question goes like this. Do you have a teacher
0: in your past who made a difference in your life?
1: If so, who was it? And what would you say if given a chance to say thank you?
0: Yeah, you know, I would say my mom is an educator and she really is the internal motivator that, and that just lit this fire within me. And she passed when I was 18 years old, and, and her legacy has lived on in my heart. So I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that she is the most influential educator in my entire life. But from a, a more of the educational system standpoint, Mr. Berman, oh that guy, I love him to death. He was my English, my AP English teacher in high school, and where so many teachers criticized my writing and nitpicked it. He saw my potential and literally changed the way I viewed myself and changed my my self image. And he was just, he, he was, uh, I don't think he would know it, but he was a huge inspiration and he was very authentic and real. And that, that changed my life, Steve.
1: Very cool. Very cool. That's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's so neat to hear hear stories like that because, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes the teachers don't realize the impact they have and uh, appreciate you sharing. That's good stuff. So, so thank uh, you. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy, for talking with me today. Um, I wish you the best with ILUMA. You know, teletherapy is an awesome concept. I appreciate you sharing everything with us and wishing the best in all you do. I wish you well and all your listeners. Thanks for having me, Steve. Teaching, learning, leading K 12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right